With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. Inhuman, The Monster of Cleveland is a podcast that uses adult language and discusses sensitive and potentially triggering topics including violence and abuse. This podcast may not be appropriate for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, you guys? I'm Haley. And I'm Andrea. And this is Inhuman, The Monster of Cleveland. So before we dive into this episode, we wanted to just chat a little bit, let you guys know that we are planning to continue the podcast after this season. Yes, there will be a season two, and we are also thinking about doing a little mini series in between to share with you guys, just so you have something to keep you busy in between the first and second season. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, and um. You know, if you guys have like cases that you want to cover, you know, we want to, we're going to try to like for next season, find another case that is a survival case. And we have a couple in mind, Um, but for either a season or the mini episodes, if you guys have cases, especially cases that, you know, you don't think have had a lot of coverage, maybe you've heard about it on another app or another podcast, but you want more information or, you know, cases that you'd like to hear us talk about, please let us know either on Instagram or in a review on iTunes. Um, I think I can also like activate uh, viewer messages on Anchor so that people can like leave us a message. So I'll look into that and I will add a little snippet here if I figure that out so that you guys (laughs) know that that can happen. Yeah. Hi guys, Future Haley here. I am currently editing this episode and I found out that you can send us a message through Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm slash inhumanpodcast, you can send us a voice message. So we'd love to hear your thoughts, input about the case or our podcast. And if it's interesting, we will include your clip in our next episode. I'll put all the information in the show notes so you can see exactly how to do it. Maybe we can do like a little poll or like a question box on our Instagram story too, just for people who maybe are not as tech savvy as, you know, finding out anchor stuff or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we're, uh, I, you know, a lot of people have kind of asked, like, are you going to keep doing this podcast? And yes, I think so. We're enjoying it. I think like, we'll probably call it just inhuman. Like, yeah. And we're loving all the feedback and all the reviews. We really appreciate it because, I mean, it really does help the podcast get more exposure. Um, And the more you can rate and review, the better. I'm going to check how many listens we have. Oh, 
we have 498 total plays right now across all the episodes thank you guys so much that is like i mean we we had we had hopes that our podcast would do well but you always have like that fear of failure (laughs) yeah yeah so and i think we're slowly getting better at like the audio and (laughs) putting things together so I hope that you guys are enjoying um and like if you have friends that love true crime share with them honestly like I mean I'm always sharing with Andrea and she's sharing with me podcasts to listen to so like if you're sharing with your friends mention our podcast if you like it because that's right it would mean the world and help us reach more people um you know it's all about sharing and reaching people and we we just like want this story to reach as many people as possible because even though people know some things about it I think there's a lot of details that we're covering in this podcast Mm -hmm. that we like haven't heard elsewhere and so I want more people to hear it if they if they're interested absolutely and we also you know of course the whole point of it is to give people hope and other cases where people are missing or whatever, you know, this gives those families hope that if these girls can survive, then their families can survive too. Yes. And um, if you guys haven't listened to Voices for Justice, um, it's a podcast done by Sarah Turney, who um, her sister, Alyssa Turney, has been missing for a very, very long time. And she uh, did her years. whole first season yeah. 20 years yeah mm-hmm. and she did her whole first season about that and her sister's case but now she's covering missing persons cases and um because it really is about exposure and even though this case didn't directly get solved because of that exposure that definitely helped a lot mm-hmm. um and so, you know, we we try to share when there's missing persons and Sarah Turney shares a ton. And I was actually chatting with her because she covered um, Elizabeth Smart, right? Is that the right name? Yeah, Elizabeth yeah, Smart. Elizabeth Smart. Mm-hmm. Who was um, rescued after being in captivity. And so I was chatting with her about that case and about this case. Um, and she wants to cover this case as well because it's it's that hope. It's like, knowing that it can happen because there are so many missing person cases that are unsolved and um you know that's what we want to share about and like Andrea said give that hope right so so yeah but we just wanted to share that we are gonna continue and if you guys have suggestions or cases that you've heard about but like want more details on we'll do the research and (laughs) share it for you guys so you don't have to do the research yes (laughs) even though I know a lot of people in true crime they love to do the research (laughs) true true but sometimes we'll bring you (laughs) yeah we'll bring you some extra stuff that you probably some little snippets that you don't know yeah okay so this is episode seven we ended episode six talking about how Amanda realized that she was pregnant in May of 2006. So that's where we're going to pick up. So in this episode, we're going to cover the pregnancy, but we're also going to cover a lot of her child's life and kind of what went on after she gave birth. Um, Because as we mentioned at the end of the last episode, it really did change a lot of the dynamic, obviously, because there's a child in the house. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so that's what we're going to cover in this episode. So let's just get into it. 
So Amanda was terrified when she realized that she was pregnant. Um, As Andrea mentioned in episode five, I believe, Michelle had had some uh, forced miscarriages. And so Amanda was terrified to like what, how Castro would react. And we're going to talk, Andrea will cover more of that and, you know, what happened to Michelle in the next episode. But just to mention that, because that was one of the reasons that Amanda was so scared because she knew how Castro reacted to Michelle's pregnancies. Right. So she finally told him and he wasn't angry and he was kind of just like confused and trying to figure out how to fix this like problem, quote unquote. And I think that it was because he saw Amanda so differently. He saw her as his wife. He, you know, wanted a, a family with her. So I, I think that he wasn't, I mean, he also wasn't like happy and excited, but he definitely wasn't angry. Right. So at this point, the three girls were not getting along anymore. Um, Amanda's morning sickness made Gina very angry. And Gina would even like make gagging sounds to like make Amanda upset. And a lot of the reason that they didn't get along was because of Castro's manipulation. Mm -hmm. And he would tell them lies about each other. And that just got to them. Um, And also Amanda seemed to get better treatment now. Um, but from Amanda's perspective, he kind of seemed to go back and forth between caring for her and being annoyed for her or with her. So like sometimes he would be nicer and help her, but then sometimes he would be annoyed with her. So like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So on Christmas day, 2006, Amanda went into labor. Um, I'm going to tell the story of the labor and birth from Amanda's perspective. And then Andrea is going to tell it from Michelle's perspective because Michelle was there and was helping. So um, Amanda and Michelle hadn't been getting along, but since Michelle had had a baby before, Amanda knew that she could help her. Um, So Amanda's water broke and she started like freaking out about delivering a baby trapped in this house. Like, you know, she didn't know what was going to happen Castro brought a fucking plastic wading pool in for Amanda to sit in, but not to like fill with water for a water birth, just so she wouldn't make a mess. Make a mess, exactly. So, and because it was the dead of winter and the house's heat was pretty minimal, like the heat already had issues, um, Amanda was freezing because she had just a shirt on. She was freaking out. And at that point, Michelle started helping her breathe and, you know, was trying like cracking jokes, trying to make her smile and just help her. But when Amanda started to scream as the contractions got worse, this again made Castro so angry. She was he was yelling at her to be quiet. Like, are you kidding me? Like, like you go try to have a baby, motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No. Um, When and when the baby was born, it wasn't breathing. And Gina said that she heard Amanda screaming, terrified, um, and Gina was locked in the other room. So she had no clue what was happening other than what she could just hear. But Amanda kind of, like, wasn't aware of what was going on at this point. So now I'm going to pass it to Andrea to talk about what Michelle remembers. Yeah. So I'm sure, I mean... You know, if anyone, anybody who is listening to this has ever been in labor, I mean, you're, you don't remember jack shit, really. (laughs) It's like you're in and out of, you're not in and out of consciousness necessarily, but like you're so focused on like getting your baby out healthy and like safe 
yeah, you just forget all the things. Right. So yeah. From Michelle's point of view, um, Castro had told Michelle that he thought Amanda was pregnant. Um, Michelle wondered if he would make her miscarry as she had, as he had made her so many times before. Amanda never officially told Michelle and Gina that she was pregnant, but they noticed, you know, pretty quickly when her belly began to grow. As Haley stated on Christmas Eve night, early Christmas morning, Castro came in and woke Michelle up abruptly, telling her that Amanda had been in labor all day. He unlocked Michelle's chains and led her down to the basement. Um, Christmas Day was always a difficult time for Michelle because she missed her son, Joey, the most Mm -hmm. on that day, just because that was the last real holiday that they spent together. And to be quite frank, she didn't want to help at all. She wanted to sleep the day away. That doesn't surprise. I mean, like for multiple reasons, it's Christmas Day. You miss your old life and your son. And also because Castro had made her not have a baby so many times and then is now going to force her to help deliver this baby. Like, that's so fucked up. And I totally understand why she didn't want to help. And she had, like, Castro had been turning them against each other. So, like, they hadn't been getting along. And even though we know that, like, that none of it was true, they didn't know that at the time. Like, Exactly. Of course she didn't want to help. Makes sense. Yeah, I don't blame her. I really don't. Um, So, yeah. So Castro led her down to the basement and she saw, um, as you had mentioned, a baby pool, which he made Michelle bring upstairs to Amanda's room. Amanda was in extreme pain and was screaming out, crying, and she was freezing cold. So Michelle actually gave her her sweater. I don't know if she mentioned that or not, but. um, That's so sweet. I don't. I think she mentioned that, like, she got a sweater, but I don't remember if she said that. But that's so sweet. So yeah. she, like, was like, okay, I, yeah. I care about you. And yeah. I, I want to help you. She's like, I've been through this. This is oh. not This is not fun. Yeah. It's hard. Um, Castro actually threatened Michelle, saying that if the baby didn't make it, that he would kill her. So, of course, frightened Michelle turned to Amanda, started helping her with the breathing, and told her to push. And, like, told her to push hard as she could. Um, and she eventually had the baby. And as Haley mentioned, the baby was not breathing. So Michelle grabbed the baby, laid her on a damp cloth on the bed and began breathing into her mouth. I don't think she was, um, trained in CPR or anything like that, but you know, just common sense told her breathe in the baby's mouth. And after a few moments, the baby began to wail as babies do when they first come out. Um, Castro then took the baby away and Michelle helped Amanda clean herself up. He finally brought the baby back into the room with Amanda. And then he and Michelle took the baby pool outside to clean out the blood and fluids. Um, Michelle went back to bed. And at this point it was around 5 a.m. I don't know if it was, I guess it was 5 a.m. Christmas morning. Christmas day. Yeah. Yeah. So later that evening, Castro brought the baby to Michelle, saying that Amanda is resting um, and wanted Michelle to care for the baby during this time, which is just like, I don't know. I just have a lot of- so fucked up in so many ways. Yeah. First of all, he's like taking, you don't, a new mother does not want her baby taken from her, first of all, even if she's asleep, she wants to be holding the baby. And second of all, like to give it to Michelle, knowing that she's like missing her child and- he has seemingly killed 
multiple of their yeah. children, you know, it's just it's sick. Yeah, and he was beaming from ear to ear. He was like so happy and excited for Ugh. this new baby to be in his life. Um, he eventually took the baby back and Gina and Michelle talked about how cute the baby was. And they actually discussed how they hoped that this little angel would somehow be their way out of the house, which gave me chills reading. Yeah. Because I was like, wow. It's like they, they had a gut feeling, I guess, about it and it and it. Yeah. Okay. So as you said, Andrea, the baby like made Castro so happy, melted his heart. Um, He actually made Amanda go downstairs and get into the bathtub with him and the baby, Ugh. which is just like disgusting. And the bathroom, the bathtub was probably disgusting too. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And like, you just, she just gave birth. She doesn't want to be next to you, let alone in the bath. Like, mm-hmm. ugh, it just grosses me out. So they did this, and then they ate some food, and then Castro brought Amanda back upstairs and chained her to the bed. (laughs) So, like, despite him being in awe and so happy about this new baby girl and, like, you know, almost being, like, in love with Amanda, he still chained her up to the bed. So it's like, as no matter how delusional you are, like, no matter how much you think they're staying there willingly, you know that you're doing something wrong because, you're like, they're not there willingly. Right. At the end of the day, they are your prisoners. Yeah. So they had no baby supplies in the house at all. And Castro refused to go to the store for fear that he'd be seen. Um, So he made makeshift diapers and onesies out of old socks. Um, And the little girl was not breastfeeding and was crying a lot. And this made Castro angry. So I think for three days she didn't have anything because she would not latch and he wouldn't go get formula and so she had like water and that was it you don't even Um, feed babies water what in the hell yeah that is insane so her life was off to a rough start um but she did have her mother who loved her so so much um when it came to naming the little girl amanda and castro could not agree on a name which I'm actually surprised that like he gave he her that. didn't just say no this is her name but I think he also knew that Amanda wouldn't take that mm-hmm. and so he was probably like trying to get in her like good graces almost mm-hmm. so eventually Amanda thought of the name Jocelyn and Castro was like all right fine and secretly Amanda wanted to give Jocelyn a middle name in honor of her mother Um, if you remember, she kind of thought that this baby was an angel sent from her mother because she found out she was pregnant shortly after her mother passed away. So she decided on the middle name Jade, which was after her mother's favorite Aerosmith song, Jaded. So baby girl was named Jocelyn Jade Berry, which is Amanda's last name. I don't know if Castro ever heard her call her that or what but amanda was like nope she is my last name she's my baby right so as jocelyn grew castro started becoming softer and he would get things for jocelyn and amanda to make their lives easier he was clearly in love with jocelyn um 
Amanda tried to decorate her room to make it look less like a prison as Jocelyn was growing. She would put paper cutouts on the walls and she put shower curtains over the boarded up windows. At this point, Amanda was all consumed with the baby. Um, Michelle and Castro were always fighting and then Gina was acting mostly as a housekeeper. She was, you know, doing the laundry and cleaning, which she actually didn't mind because it kept her busy. Castro was leaving Amanda alone more, like not assaulting her as much, but he would still do it when Jocelyn was asleep, but definitely not as much as before. Right. However, Amanda was thankful that he was starting to treat her better and he was buying things for Jocelyn, giving them better food. Um, At times she felt like they were a family. And I mean, how can you not, like you said, Stockholm syndrome, and now you have a baby that you know, your life depends on him, but now your baby's life depends on him. And even though he's the father and this came from her being raped, it's still like, you know, that's, it's, if your baby depends on him, you have to. It is what it is. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, exactly. You have to just kind of succumb to what he wants, unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, she would see him treating Jocelyn well and, that made her happy because all she cared about now was Jocelyn and Jocelyn's happiness. Um, She said that on the days that Castro kind of helped Jocelyn have a more normal life, she felt affection for him, but he always managed to turn around and become that monster again. Okay. So this is kind of where I'm going to start covering different points of Jocelyn's life and some other stuff that was happening between the girls as Jocelyn was growing up. And I'll mention some dates as we go through it, but kind of we'll skip some chunks of time here and there um, as, you know, nothing like crazy happened during certain times. So this creeps me out so much. Castro's nickname for Jocelyn was pretty. And not just like, like, oh, you're pretty. Like he would call her pretty and be like, what are you doing, pretty? Come here, pretty. Like, ew, that's... (laughs) That just for some reason grosses me out so much. Coming from him, yeah. And the fact that he puts so much on the looks of the girls, yeah. Yeah, disgusting. So Amanda kept track of Jocelyn's milestones in her diary. She was growing quickly and her energy was ramping up as kids do. And it was so difficult for Amanda to keep her occupied and happy in this room that they were trapped in. Um, And because the windows were boarded up, there was no natural light. So it was hard to get even onto like a schedule. You know, they would stay up past midnight and sleep forever. And it was just really hard to kind of create that schedule. Yeah. In June 2007, when Jocelyn was about a year and a half, she was, you know, starting to talk. And he made the girls pick different names because he was wanting to soon take Jocelyn out of the house and didn't want her repeating their names. So he, Castro had referred to Amanda as Nandy ever since he listened to those voicemails on her phone when he first captured her. So Amanda went with that. And then Gina and Michelle chose Chelsea and Juju. Mm -hmm. Which the reason why Michelle chose Juju is because Juju snacks were her favorite. (laughs) I love that. I just thought that was cute. Yeah. That is cute. And Gina chose that. Chelsea, because I think it was from uh, Days of Our Lives, which he liked to <laughs> That's watch. That's so funny. Yeah. 
Um, so Castro would get mad whenever Jocelyn was loud, which is just so frustrating because it's like kids are loud mm-hmm. and they're especially loud when they're trapped in a house and can't bored to death, socialize yeah. and yeah. So um, then she actually started having night terrors and she would wake up screaming and this would make Castro so angry and angry at Amanda that mm-hmm. he couldn't keep her quiet. So he never like got angry at Jocelyn. Ness- I mean, I'm sure he did, but it would be more angry at Amanda that he- she couldn't keep Jocelyn quiet. And this made it even more stressful and difficult for Amanda to calm her down because she was afraid of what Castro would do if she couldn't. So although the girls, Gina, Michelle, and Amanda didn't get along a ton, Gina loved to play and help with Jocelyn, and Amanda became a bit more protective of Gina. One day, Castro tried to bring Gina downstairs to do his awful things, and Amanda did everything she could to stop him, putting herself um, and Jocelyn between him and the door, but he angrily shut her in the room. So even though he was softening up a bit with Jocelyn, he was still his horrible, awful self, and Gina was definitely, or Amanda was definitely kind of becoming closer with with Gina a little bit you know not a ton but the the lies weren't affecting them as much so eventually Castro started leaving the girls unchained on the weekends when he was home when they were chained Amanda would tell Jocelyn that it was a bracelet but Mm -hmm. Jocelyn could definitely tell that something was up and didn't like that they were locked up one night in June 2009 when Jocelyn was about two and a half Castro left Amanda's room for the night without chaining her. And this was a weekday, so she should have been chained. Right. And this made um, all of the girls scared. Like, was he testing them? Um, You know, what was going on? But after a few weekdays of him coming coming and going without chaining any of them, they started to get excited. So they were still locked in the rooms, but this welcome freedom felt very good. They could move around. They could sleep without the heavy metal clanking together and bruising their ankles. So it just felt really, really good to be a little bit free. Before I start this next section, I want to give an additional trigger warning for um, about suicidal thoughts and ideations. Um, I'm also going to share the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and it will also be down in the show notes. But if you or someone you know needs help, it is available 24-7 at 800-273-8255. And again, that will be down in the show notes. So, six years. That is how long Gina had been in the house when she first started cutting herself. Um, It started with an uh, accidental cut while cooking but the feeling she had when she saw the blood flowing over her finger changed her. She had no control over anything in the house, but this was something that she could control. She began cutting her form with a butter knife, and she explained in the book that it gave her a few moments of peace. Then she remembered that her mom had told her that if she ever saw anyone at school cutting themselves, to help them because it was a cry for help and so she decided she needed to talk to somebody about it which good for her for you know realizing that and good for her mom for talking to her about that right um so she decided that amanda was the best person to talk to i'm not sure 
why. I know it. Uh, she had mentioned that Michelle had kind of said something about it, and then Gina had kind of just been like, "Mind your own business." So I don't know what um, exactly led to that, but she kind of was frustrated with Amanda, and that was part of the reason she like needed a little bit of control over something she could control. Right. So they hadn't been getting along, of course, mostly because of unfair treatment and Castro's manipulative words. Um, One day, Gina went into Amanda's room and told her that she was cutting herself because of Amanda. Oh. This made Amanda extremely upset, obviously. Even though she knew the lies Castro told Gina about her were untrue, she also knew that she wasn't always the nicest to Gina and Michelle. And Amanda desperately wanted to help Gina. She offered um, the idea to break the habit of cutting herself by snapping a rubber band against her wrist. Um, And Gina liked that. And as they kept talking, Amanda realized that, quote, we're not different. It's not easier for her. She's not trying to make my life harder, no matter what he says. We're the same. She's going through exactly what I am. I suddenly see her as another me. I'm sorry I didn't see it sooner. So, you know, another kind of turning point of them realizing, you know, we're all in the same situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now we're in March of 2010. Uh, Jocelyn had been outside with Castro at times, playing in the yard. And one day he was outside with Cast- or with Jocelyn and the police showed up next door. They were raiding the neighbor's house for some reason. And the girls were right inside. The cops were so freaking close but the girls were way too terrified to scream or do anything and you know i mean i don't blame the cops because they were there for the neighbor they weren't paying attention to what was going on but it's just like oh they were so close Mm -hmm. um okay so this next part isn't just like that last section on gina isn't directly related to jocelyn's life but i did want to include it because i hadn't heard of it anywhere else Um, In February 2011, Castro decided that he wanted to tell Amanda why he took her. So he told her this whole sob story about how he was addicted to porn and that he was molested when he was a kid, which if you remember from the first episode, we did talk about that, but basically it's unclear what is true and what isn't. Castro claimed it was um, and, you know, always uh, believe victims, but we also know that he is not a victim in a lot of things that he talks about. So nobody really knows and there's no real proof, but that's what he told Amanda. He also told Amanda about his ex-wife Nilda and how he assaulted and abused her. But again, he twisted it to make it sound like she deserved it and whatever he came up with in his head. Um, He complained that he was tired and depressed. He was tired because it was a lot of work keeping the girls there. And he said that he was going to quit his job and spend more time with her and Jocelyn before he, quote, let them go home. So Amanda was like, okay, well, when are you going to let us go? You keep saying this, but, like, mm-hmm. come on. Um, and then he, you know, he just kept going through this sob story. And Amanda, not wanting to, like, make him mad, was attempting to be sympathetic and just, like, listen but he talked for like hours to her. So in May 2011, Castro flipped out and got extremely angry at Amanda. 
he had decided that he wanted to cut his hair and he wanted her to do it despite her protest and saying like I know nothing about cutting hair and she accidentally cut a very small bald spot and he (laughs) blew up he was like obsessed with his appearance and he was so pissed at Amanda yes yeah and he bursted into Amanda and Jocelyn's room and made Jocelyn turn away, which is what he always did when he didn't want her to see, like, his true self. And he then cut a giant bald spot in the front of Amanda's head, and that just devastated her. She was heartbroken, like, this was one of the things that she could control, and he took that away. Um, But Gina comforted her and reminded her that she needed to stay strong. And she was like, tell Castro it doesn't bother you. You know, you want to be stronger than he is. Mm -hmm. Um, And a little bit later, he actually tried to do the same thing to Gina, and he did. But she just told him, like, I don't care. Whatever. Like, it looks good. And that just pissed Mm -hmm. him off a little bit more. And it was like a little mini victory for her. Wow. So in August 2011, uh, Jocelyn was like five. She started school. Um, Amanda set up their bedroom to look like a classroom. She had like shapes and words and images hung all around. Um, She had a little Dora the Explorer desk. They were always reading and doing puzzles, but Amanda kind of wanted to make like official school. And so she started it the same day as the school system in Cleveland started um, for the school year. And so uh, that was August 21st, 24th her first day of kindergarten and they got up that morning they ate breakfast and they even like pretended to walk to school um jocelyn sat at her little desk amanda was her teacher going through different subjects during the day and they continued this routine for the entire school year they would do school in the morning and then some exercises in the afternoon so they finally kind of had more of a routine going and amanda was like having fun teaching her right oh that's so cute in june of the next year jocelyn graduated kindergarten and they had a little ceremony and amanda was so proud of her daughter i seriously am so impressed that amanda kept that up like i know it gave them something to do and she obviously cared about jocelyn a lot but i just feel like it would be so hard to keep up with especially because i'm sure jocelyn wasn't always easy and like yeah. i'm sure it was difficult at times but she was so determined to let jocelyn have the best life she could that she just kept with it yeah that's really impressive cuz it's hard i mean it's hard to keep a toddler and a young child entertained and to have that much patience and stamina because I mean you know she has to be depressed and when you're depressed what do you want to do you want to lay around the bed all day you want to not do much yeah she just kept pushing through for her child which I mean proves to me that she was a good mother despite her circumstances yeah yeah so at this point Castro was starting to take Jocelyn out of the house more he would bring her to the park you know, carnivals around, church, which Jocelyn loved going to church and praying. Um, And she loved going out, but she was always asking why her mom couldn't come with her. And Castro just like ignored the questions. One day in April of 2012, Jocelyn asked Castro to take her and Amanda to her T.D. Beth's house, which is aunt in Spanish. And Beth was Amanda's sister. 
And Jocelyn had seen um, Amanda's sister and mother on the recorded news footage from when Amanda first went missing. And so she knew who they were and was asking more and more about them. Um, She was continuing to ask these questions and she would see, you know, kids on TV and out in public with their families. She wanted to do that. She wanted to go to a real school with other kids and she wanted her mom to come outside with her. And Castro was always able to make up excuses. And, you know, as much as Jocelyn was asking questions, they could only do so much and they had to just keep living how they were. So this brings us up to the start of their last year in captivity, and a lot happened in that last year, both inside and outside the house, and so that is what we are going to be covering in next week's episode. Yeah, so we'll be discussing some events that, um, some really sad events and some events that kind of brought the girls a little closer together, and yep. um some interactions that arose and then the next episode after that we will be covering their escape as we stated earlier in the intro (laughs) i'm so excited for that episode that's gonna be a good one yeah i'm excited too i mean i'm sad to see the case come to an end um because like i've said a thousand times i just feel like so connected to especially you know michelle but just these girls period just I mean, obviously, we can't even fathom, like, what they went through, but just feeling, like, seeing a glimpse into what they went through and, like, I don't know, yeah. just empathizing, sympathizing with them. I don't know. Yeah. It'll be sad. It'll be sad to see it come to an end, but it'll be good to be. get their story out there. and Yeah. Yeah, so be sure that you guys are subscribed so you will see when we post. We release a new episode every Thursday at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. Eastern, 5 a.m. Pacific. And then I think it's seven central and six mountain. That sounds right. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, Cause it's like one hour. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But eight, 8 a.m. Eastern every Thursday, new episode comes out, but be sure to subscribe too, because as we talked about, we're kind of thinking about doing some mini series and stuff like that. And I don't know when that's going to come. So yeah. don't want to miss it. And uh, you know, Please rate us if you haven't. It really helps iTunes. I think we have 14 ratings, which is amazing. Um, so if you haven't done it, you know, you don't even have to leave a review. If you just hit the like star, the stars, however many stars you think we deserve, um, right. it would help us out. We have a hater that has given us a one star rating. So <laughs> if you think we deserve some more stars, it would help us to get some more get five up. star reviews. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And that's on Apple Podcasts. So you can rate, yes. rate and review there. And then wherever you listen to podcasts, I mean, I, they have some kind of rating system and review, yeah. I think. So yeah, yeah, we love you guys so much. Yes, we do. We appreciate all the support. I mean, we say this every time, but we really do appreciate it. Yeah, it, it means a lot that you take time out of your day to listen to our podcast. Yeah. All right, you guys, we will... Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Next time on Inhuman, the monster of Cleveland. He would also give them money randomly, like after doing housework. And Gina did a lot of the housework because she liked that it kept her busy. Gina remembers him one time saying, quote, you're going to need the money when you get out. 
like he and he always made comments like that like yeah. I, he always made comments to amanda too about like when you get out this or when i let you out and it's like just stop he probably um, knew he was gonna get caught i mean there's only so oh, yeah long so on amanda's ninth abduction anniversary she was watching the news coverage of her story with jocelyn and jocelyn later told castro quote they're looking for mommy and this made Castro so angry because clearly Jocelyn was starting to understand what was going on and that the girls weren't there willingly. So while Castro, Gina, and Amanda were downstairs decorating for the party, Michelle was not allowed to come downstairs. But eventually, I know, eventually he made Michelle come downstairs. Um, but he told her that she wasn't a part of this and that she didn't matter. He never left the house without locking them in the bedroom. But this time, this time was different. We just want to thank you guys so much for listening. To see key photos from this episode, along with some behind the scenes, follow us over on Instagram at inhuman underscore podcast. If you're loving the podcast, let us know by subscribing and leaving us a review. It lets iTunes and other platforms see that you're enjoying our content so we can be discovered by new listeners. We can't wait to bring you next week's episode. Until then, keep it human.